Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. President Putin wanted less NATO. He is getting more NATO. We move quickly to send Ukraine significant amounts of weapons and ammunition so that they can repel Russia's aggression. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. You can only blame Putin so far. Yes, oil prices did rise after the invasion, but inflation impacts more than oil. I look forward to the journey ahead. You are the world's best Coast Guard. I am honored and humbled to serve alongside you. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. President Biden has a change of heart and will send long-range rockets to Ukraine. With some of the toughest fighting ahead, welcome to the fastest hour in politics as the administration ups the ante in the Donbass. We're going to talk about the political and military implications with defense policy expert Nora Ben-Sahel, senior fellow of the Merrill Center at Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Later, the clock ticks on talks over gun safety legislation. We don't have many days left for compromise here. We're going to look at where things stand as lawmakers work on this from home. Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick will be with us a bit later. Our panel today, Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is with us. And we'll have insights as well from Lester Munson, principal at BGR Group. We're following several developing storylines from Washington and from Ukraine, beginning with the rockets, the missiles that we've been hearing about. It was only two days ago. I don't know if we can get this, if we can dig down just a little bit here uh, for the cut of President Biden in the driveway at the White House. This was two days ago when he was referring to this request by President Zelensky for multiple launch rocket systems. A non-starter, as he said at the time, he was speaking with reporters on the rope line. Sebastian, if you have that from Joe Biden, here he is at the White House. We're not going to send the Ukraine rocket systems that can strike into Russia. Okay, less than 48 hours later, the missiles are on the way. President Biden spells out the rationale in an op-ed from the New York Times. Everyone's been talking about this today. So Ukraine can, as he said, quote, be in the strongest possible position at the negotiating table, unquote. That's the way we're going to get this now. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken reinforced that very message today at the State Department. Here he is. This is a continuation of a strategy that began even before Russia's invasion. We've moved quickly to send Ukraine significant amounts of weapons and ammunition so that they can repel Russia's aggression and, in turn, can be in the strongest possible position. Strongest possible position, in turn, at the negotiating table. This all after President Zelensky said that's how this war is going to end, right? Uh, This is important, though. Blinken says after the initial hesitation to send those missiles, President Zelensky has promised not to send them across the border into Russia. Here's Blinken again. The Ukrainians have given us assurances that uh, they will not use these systems against targets on Russian territory. Uh, There is a strong trust bond between Ukraine and the United States, as well as with uh, our allies and partners. Interesting wrinkle. I guess that's what unlocked the rockets. Now the UK is also asking if we can help them send similar weapons to Ukraine, MLRS systems here and as we put together this latest weapons shipment, now the Turks apparently now opening a lane possible for grain to get out of Ukraine. Wheat in Chicago fell by the most amount allowed after Turkey discussed plans to help ensure Ukrainian exports of grain in the Black Sea. This would be a very, very, very good development here. Important development for the world as we talk about possible food shortages coming. So let's get into all of this. Nora Ben-Sahel is with us, an expert on defense policy, visiting professor of strategic studies and senior fellow of the Merrill Center at Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. This is who we need to talk to now. Nora, welcome. What changed President Biden's mind on these missiles and what, what will they mean for Ukraine? Well, they do mean that Ukraine will be able to target uh Russian forces uh, at greater distances within Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to note that these are not the longest range possible missiles that the U.S. could be giving Ukraine. Uh, the types of missiles that we're talking about here have a range of about 48 miles, mm-hmm. which is significant. Um, but apparently Zelensky had requested missile systems that uh, go up to 75 miles, which I think the Biden administration calculated would be seen as too provocative uh, against Russia, despite the assurances that Zelensky has given that they won't be yeah. used to target uh, Russian territory. So they kind of thread the needle here on this one. It's it, it's the same weapon system, but missiles that don't go quite as far, it would be it would be more difficult for Ukraine to launch an attack into Russia with these, what you're saying. That's right. And and I think that the op-ed that President Biden wrote is very much targeted at Russia and providing some reassurance to Russia by laying out very clearly what the United States will do, mm-hmm. um, which is send these advanced weapons and, and help Ukraine have the strongest military position so that it can uh, negotiate a settlement uh, to the war. But that it also says very clearly that the United States is not pursuing regime change, is not going to directly threaten Putin's rule, that U.S. troops will not be directly involved in any attacks on on Russian forces, um, and that the United States is not telling Ukraine what to do or not do uh, to pressure Ukraine for some sort of territorial settlement. I was actually surprised with everything you just said that he didn't write this earlier, because it is kind of a roadmap. It's, It's the rationale. He's laying out the rationale here for... And to your point, even Vladimir Putin to read, but it, look, we're going to be giving them rockets, missiles uh, that kill Russians in, in Ukraine. Granted, that's not an attack against Russia. They're still essentially defensive at that point. But how is that different than the MiG-29s that we didn't want to send for fear of escalating things? 
Well, that's exactly it. It's the fear of escalating a war where the United States is helping one side in a conflict against a nuclear power that can do great damage should it wish to against the United States. So you don't think these missiles or the rockets are as escalatory as the MiGs would be? They found a way to do this, if I'm reading you correctly, that does not escalate this war. That's right. Uh, the thought of uh, fighter jets that could be over Russian territory, no matter what Zelensky's uh, uh, assurances are, that yeah. they could be over Russian territory very quickly, would inevitably be seen as escalatory by Putin. I think that everything in this op-ed are things that the administration has been saying all along. They've been remarkably consistent. But I think that the reason why uh, the op-ed was published today is to further uh, reduce the chance of inadvertent escalation around Mm -hmm. the U.S. decision to send these additional missiles to Ukraine. Is he right about the negotiating table that this, in fact, will strengthen Ukraine's hand as opposed to just maintaining an upper hand in this terrible war militarily? Well, the argument is that if the United States doesn't keep helping Ukraine in terms of its defensive capabilities, that there's actually a possibility that this wouldn't be settled at the negotiating table, that it would be settled by Russia taking over parts of Ukraine, right? That's the alternative to a negotiated settlement. So when Biden talks about a negotiated settlement, what he's talking about is, you know, to strengthen Ukraine enough to defend itself so that there are eventually negotiations over this rather than Ukraine just being taken over by uh, Russian uh you know, forces and Russian influence. We're seeing really heavy fighting here uh, in the Donbass region, and it looks like that that it's possible Putin will be able to cut off that area from the rest of Ukraine. I don't know if that brings anyone to the negotiating table. I, it seems like President Zelensky has decided that he will not negotiate any changing in borders or, or allowing Russia to annex any any land. Will these missiles then help to keep the Donbass as a part of Ukraine? That's the hope. Um, you know, but there are other dynamics on the battlefield that, that may help just as much. Putin's forces have suffered tremendous losses in the past three months. They're not as organized uh, as everyone thought they would be. And even though after they pulled out of uh, the, the fight for uh, Kiev, the capital, you know, analysts, even including myself, thought that uh, Russia would have an easier time in the east. And they're not having an easier time. They're, they're having to fight quite a lot. And what Ukraine is trying to do is now split the forces that Russia has in that area, even though they are continuing to uh, to pummel the areas, uh, you know, that you've been talking about in the Severodonetsk uh, mm-hmm. part of the, of the country. The Ukrainians are starting to push back against the Russians in Kharkiv, which would split Russian forces. If the Russians have to send more forces there to help uh, put down Ukrainian resistance, they're going to have fewer forces for the battles you were just mentioning that are going on today. So there's lots of different things. It's a very dynamic battlefield. The Ukrainians are are uh, faring surprisingly well. But at the end of the day, you know, the Russian military is very powerful, even if they're, they're struggling mightily. Yeah. And this decision to send the additional missiles to Ukraine is clearly the Biden administration trying to help the Ukrainians with this fight as much as they can. What does it tell you about the timeline as well. We're reporting at Bloomberg that these missile systems will require three weeks of training. First, you have to get them there. Then we have to train uh, at least enough Ukrainians to train the rest of the Ukrainian military on this. Uh, if if we're digging in our heels like this, we're, we're, we're giving them the longer range rockets that they're asking for, realizing there's still even longer range rockets available. Does this tell you that, that we're expecting months more of fighting, Nora? 
Well, it certainly means we're expecting more than three weeks of fighting. This war is not going to be over uh, anytime soon. Um, you know, ultimately, a decision on when to stop uh, will have to be made by the, the you know, by Putin himself, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it, when he decides uh, that that's, you know, what, what he needs to do. But I do think that this, this war is, is not going to end soon. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen on the battlefield. Again, the Ukrainians are, are continuing to do better than many would have thought against mm-hmm. uh, in territory where the Russian military would have seemed to have a lot of advantages. Um, but, you know, a lot can happen and, uh, you know, unexpected things are happening every day. So uh, we'll see as it continues to progress. Nora Bensahel, great conversation and thanks for your insights. Defense policy expert, author, visiting professor of strategic studies, senior fellow at the Merrill Center at Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. We wanted to get a real expert on this to understand because you're hearing people interchange the words missiles and rockets. You're hearing people talk about long range when it's actually not as long a range as they might have suggested to begin with. That's why we bring you voices like Nora and why we'll assemble the panel next. Jeannie is with us. Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributor uh, with another expert on foreign policy as well. Lester Munson is back with us of the government relations firm BGR Group, former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, as we get into the talks here of not just the next weapons package, but whether there might be another layer of sanctions coming from Washington. That's all ahead on the fastest hour in politics. We'll check markets and traffic on the way. Thanks for joining us. The panel's up next. I'm Joe Matthew at World Headquarters in New York, and this is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business, demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. 
athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So the rockets are on the way to Ukraine and the messaging from Washington targeted straight at Vladimir Putin. You heard Anthony Blinken a short time ago on the broadcast. He was joined at the State Department today by Jens Stoltenberg of NATO, who was just ready to poke Putin in the eye. Listen to him. President Putin wanted less NATO. He is getting more NATO, more troops and more NATO members. Referring, of course, to Finland and Sweden, he's getting more NATO. As we assemble the panel, Jeannie is with us. Jeannie Shanzano, Democratic analyst, Bloomberg Politics contributor today, joined by Lester Munson, principal at government PR firm BGR Group, government relations firm and former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. It's great to have both of you with us. What do you think, Jeannie? We had we had the story just yesterday that we were not going to be sending long-range missiles. Now we're sending apparently medium-range missiles, rockets, the term we should be using in this case. These are mobile weapon systems that I don't think we'd be giving them if that fight wasn't about to get a lot tougher in the Donbass. What do you make about the change of heart? Yeah, I mean, a bit of whiplash in terms of the messaging on this, which Mm -hmm. has become par for the course in foreign policy, which with this administration and something we're seeing at least leaked out that Biden is frustrated with, although he's, uh, you know, obviously responsible in large part for that said, I think it's absolutely important to say that this is being done. The weapons from Germany, from the United States, even though he said we wouldn't give these is because of the timeline here. You know, NATO realizes that the clock is ticking that Ukraine needs to get Russia to the negotiating table and they need to do it in a good position and they need to do it now. And this is intended to try to push them into that. The question is, is it going to work? So I think I would add to Stoltenberg's great quote there, more troops, more, you know, more NATO and more weapons to get Russia to the negotiating table. But, you know, there's no, you know, there's no promise that that's going to happen. But that is the goal here. The messaging, though, from a domestic policy perspective, perspective remains a problem. Lester, is Vladimir Putin moved by this or is this just more of the same? Is this escalatory or not? Uh, I'm unclear exactly what Vladimir Putin thinks about anything. Uh, he he and his minions like to push back uh, and make threats all of the time. Uh, some of them, you know, are, are never realized. I, I think it's notable, you know, the president had an op-ed in the New York Times today yeah, we were that just talking lays about. out this yeah, that lays out this this policy, and it's there's some very precise language uh, that I'm not sure is a is a is a big departure from what was said previously. Uh, he says that this will enable the Ukrainians to more precisely strike key targets mm-hmm. on the battlefield in Ukraine. Right. 
that's significant. I'm not. I'm not sure. This is definitely a messaging issue, and the and the White House has been beset by this, as Jeannie pointed out. So uh, very deliberate from, in, in saying Ukraine, yeah. as opposed to just blowing up targets. You know, maybe they're on the other side of the border. That 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 part is important to you to see that in the op-ed. Exactly. And so how about so the reference to the negotiating table, Lester? That that's something we were just talking about with Nora here, that that is, in fact, the aim that 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 we arm them to have a better position at the negotiating table. Well, the way to have a better position at the negotiating table is to arm them with the things that they want and need and not to place artificial limits on them. Uh, are we want to you want you, I think we still are. You want the Ukrainians to negotiate from a position of strength, not from a position of, you know, one arm tied behind their back. Yes, the administration has been forward leaning generally in providing things to the Ukrainians, but there are notable exceptions to that. They're not getting quite the long range uh, rocketry they want. They're not getting the aircraft that they want. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the Biden administration has had some limits here. That is clear. They're trying to articulate all of the good things that they have done, but it's the things that they haven't done that are so noticeable. As we talk about another weapons package, uh, the European Union, Genie is trying to approve a sixth sanctions package. The debate is ongoing uh, because of Hungary, as we've noted here, asking for for changes. There's always this seems to be an issue. Uh, is the United States done with sanctions? Is, is this a conversation that we've moved on from in Congress? I hate to say the answer sounds like yes there, but even the administration, the Treasury Department, have, have we sanctioned everything we've got? You know, we have done a a number of sanctions. And so I think we will continue to do if there's any more that we could put on, we will continue to do those. Um, But I do think that what we've done sanction wise has been effective. And, and, you know, I, I, I just am not sure to your point how much more we can put into place for, you know, Hungary remains an obstacle as as Mm -hmm. far as Europe is is concerned. But you know, when you get to that op ed by the president, the notable note there is that he says, strike targets in Ukraine. And Mm -hmm. he's got, you know, Kiev has has promised that that's what they will do. You know, this op-ed reads to me more as an op-ed to Putin and Russia to assure them we're not going to be active in in this war. And yet at the same time, we are executing offensive operations when it comes to cyber in Russia. So how is that not active in the war? And that's where these mixed messages, along with what you Mm -hmm. noted was his message on the rope line, because it becomes a problem for the U.S. Well, it's true. Uh, We have less than a minute here, Lester, but we know it's been widely reported that we're giving them daily intelligence. What's more damaging than that? Yeah, these these leaks from the administration are very frustrating, I think, to folks who are in or were once in the national security community. This is not this is not the way you run a policy. Uh, If this is and shame on the administration, if this is being done for short term political advantage, I hope that is not the case. I hope there is a coherent messaging strategy behind this, although I don't know what it is. Uh, They really do need to do a better job on messaging. That story from NBC yesterday about chaos on the White White House is is being borne out again today. Jeannie and Lester with us, our panel for the Wednesday edition of Sound On live from New York. We're at World Headquarters. I'm Joe Matthew. And we'll bring in Jack Fitzpatrick next as talks go on over gun safety laws. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston. 
Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The headline on the terminal, Democrats eye Swift GOP deal on guns. Swift being the key word there. There are only really days left to make this happen. And it's been over a week since Uvalde. A select group of senators continue telephone talks this week as they're out of town. But we're going to find out where they are next with Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick. They're still talking about guns in the Senate. Lawmakers are not in Washington. They've been on the phone. They've been on Zoom. The question is, will anything come from these conversations Remembering that Mitch McConnell himself gave the green light to have Senator John Cornyn, Republican from Texas, get on the horn with Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, and start hammering something out. Looks like a red flag law is the most likely, and we need to be careful here with, you know, people are talking about gun controls. It's really a gun safety law that that would be most likely if anything happens. You know, we've done this before. Chuck Schumer said when people come back, they start coming back next week. Democrats are moving on. And that's why we want to check in with Jack Fitzpatrick while there are a couple of days left to see something happen here. Of course, Bloomberg government reporter and a family member here on Sound On. Jack, it's great to have you. Are are these talks kind of fading out? We haven't heard a lot of detail about them. I know there are several different groups of senators, though, who are engaged. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything regarding them fading out. We haven't gotten details yet. But I don't anticipate that they're fading out yet, for one, because the House can keep pressure on them. You know, Democrats in the Senate have said, "Okay, we'll work with John Cornyn. We'll work with Republicans. We can do something very narrowly tailored, even if we think it's too weak. Uh, But then the House Democrats are moving forward with their own Democratic bill that probably goes beyond anything bipartisan. They're going to mark it up in the House Judiciary Committee Mm -hmm. uh, uh, virtually tomorrow. Uh, So they're going to push push the envelope a little bit and try to move legislation that would uh, raise the age for semi-automatic rifle purchases from 18 to 21. Uh, There are other things, uh, uh, sort of more uh, regulations applying to ghost guns, Mm -hmm. a ban on bump stocks. That would get further than anything you could anticipate getting 60 votes in the Senate. But clearly it's enough of a priority now. So the Democrats are pushing. Republicans feel the need to at least have this conversation in the Senate and see if there's enough middle ground. Uh, And they're both kind of racing to try to get something that could have a vote as soon as next week. It's interesting. All the things you just mentioned, ban on bump stocks, red flag law, and some of the other ideas have been actually approved on the state level. In what, about 20 states is, was, I think 19 was my count on, on red flag laws. Maybe maybe more have, have gone that far. But they've managed to get bipartisan support on the state level, Jack. What's so difficult in Washington with this? Well, it's hard to describe exactly why it's so difficult in Washington. But I would point out, with that in mind, that the conversations among senators may actually revolve around state laws, as, mm. as contrary as that may be to what you expect from Congress. You know, some of the early feedback we got from Republicans like Lindsey Graham was there could be some pushback to a federal red flag law. But if they could have a conversation about potentially incentivizing at the federal level states to pass their own red flag flag laws, that is something that would very likely get some Republican support. So, I mean, again, I'm describing very limited steps Mm -hmm. that a lot of Democrats would think are not far enough, but they may have some opportunities to get a federal state 
uh, it's some interplay between the laws there where it, they, to some extent, leave it to states, but uh, incentivize sure. state action. Boy, that's why I think we have to be careful to, you know, people talk about gun control laws. It's not really what this is. These are gun safety laws. And to your point, they might not even be on the federal level. Raising the age to 21, Jack, has come up a lot. That's actually something that might have stopped this individual uh, in Uvalde from getting those those two AR-15s. A lot of these other ideas would not likely stop some of the more recent mass shootings. But that's a non-starter in the Senate, right? Nobody's going near that. Nobody endorsed by the NRA is raising an age to 21. You know, I, I don't know if we can say there's a 100 percent chance of that failing, but there is some skepticism. Yeah. Um, some of our colleagues uh, heard actually, uh, you know, Adam Kinzinger, for example, mm-hmm. a, a Republican who increasingly disagrees with his own party, uh, went on ABC and said, you know, something like raising the age from 18 to 21 should be a no brainer. But it's, it's not clear if there'd be support. There's been enough pushback from Republicans. So that seems like a, a heavier lift than the red flag law issue. Um, they, they have to have the conversation. It's something that, they, that has been brought up enough. But you're right to definitely classify the 21-year-old age uh, being lifted there as, as something that's, that's a difficult one. Would this be a different conversation if we were not in a, a midterm cycle this close to November or any election year this close to November? Or are we just reminding ourselves of, of how entrenched so many members are when it comes to the gun issue? You know, I I don't think I would necessarily put it that way. For one, you're seeing lawmakers sort of drop the pretenses that they can get everything they want, Mm -hmm. and they're they're not yet using this entirely as a wedge issue. It may be smarter for maybe some Democrats to, to push something really ambitious and then hold it over Republicans when they block it and use that as a wedge issue and campaign on that. Uh, and, and who knows what better O'Rourke would do with that as, as someone who's on the campaign trail really hyping this up, not yeah. that he's a member currently. Uh, but they're, they're clearly at least willing to have a conversation about making major concessions to each other mm-hmm. and finding limited middle ground. That's not always a great thing to campaign on. But for one reason or, or another, they have uh, uh, this group of senators, at least, has yeah. said, all right, we're going to kind of set the politics aside a little bit and maybe take a baby step forward well, on actual. I'm heartened by this. This is great. You know, Rick Davis, who is, of course, on uh, most days with us here on Sound On, has been striking a very similar tone, uh, Jack, that, 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 that people should not assume that this is going to go like it has so many times over again. But I'll ask you lastly about the, the timeline. Once Chuck Schumer decides, hey, we're just going for this with Democrats, then I assume that means talks have ended. How much time does he give this? Uh, they are rushing. I mean, the last we heard from Chris Murphy uh, was that they, they are trying to get something uh, to be prepared shortly after Congress comes back mm-hmm. next week. They know they've got a short time frame. They know the, the political pressure can wane as, as the calendar days are, are ticked off. Uh, so if, if this takes too long, you're right. It is possible that we could see this fall back into partisanship and, and maybe a show vote. But the bipartisan group is very much working, understanding that they are on a deadline, trying to get something potentially for next week. The latest on this from Capitol Hill and our friend Jack Fitzpatrick, our colleague at Bloomberg Government, where he writes the budget briefing newsletter each morning. I highly suggest that you subscribe to it while you're looking at the terminal right now. We'll reassemble the panel next. Lester and Jeannie coming back in. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. 
It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. You know, every time I've thrown some skepticism at the whole gun law story over the last week, someone has stepped in on this program to disagree with me. Rick Davis, now Jack Fitzpatrick today, a couple of our guests most recently telling me, no, it feels different this time. We'll see how the panel feels about it. I think I know where Jeannie is on this. Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg contributor, and of course, Democratic analyst joined today by Lester Munson, BGR Group, former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, do you feel the same way, Jeannie? I know that you have been uh, a bit shy to kind of lean into this idea of reform happening, even if it is a red flag law or maybe biting around the edges here, but something happening. The fact that talks are still taking place a week later, what does that tell you? 
Um, I will tell you why I remain a skeptic. And I like the idea of lean in with Sheryl Sandberg news today. But, mm. you know, I'm look while you were talking to Jack, I was listening intently and I was looking at the con- congressional calendar. Twenty four. They have 24 days left in session before they go out for the summer. And Labor Day is when they come back. And that is it. They will do three weeks. Those are th- uh, those are four day weeks from June. Go out for the fourth back for three more weeks mm-hmm. and they'll be out for the rest of the summer. It is really difficult for me to imagine that they get comprehensive, and I like your use of the term gun safety legislation. Yeah. Could they get incremental steps forward? Absolutely. But that's all we're talking about, but right? What's yeah. comprehensive? If, if, you want, if you want me to be optimistic on incremental, I will try to get there with Jack <laughs> and Rick and everyone else. But I remain a skeptic, maybe incremental, but that's going to be at the action we see usually and historically is at the state level, and that's where people mm-hmm. should focus their attention. Well, is that how this ends? Is it a state-level conversation, Les? Or is there going to be, you know, a Cornyn Murphy bill that gets a name and gets a vote? Well, gosh, uh, I do. I do hope there is uh, some progress here and that uh, the two sides can uh, kind of, you know, ignore the temptation to engage in rhetoric and maybe try and get something done that would would have a positive impact on the situation. Are you optimistic? I'm I'm not super optimistic. I think for Republicans, um, the the you know this, this, it's I don't even want to say it out loud, but the uh, the political risk for them is is significant. Mm. They don't want to lose the chance to take over uh, in the fall. That's very it's a very cynical view. I hope I hope that isn't their view. Uh, but it's as Jeannie was saying, there's not a lot of time left. It's a really is a really tough issue. I I mean, and I I'm not laying this on members of Congress necessarily, voters feel this way also. And it's there's there's a direct line from voter support for unfettered access to guns to uh, the way people vote in Congress has been for decades. So I just I do think we need to be very realistic about about what could happen. What is realistic as is a what Jack described to us a red, not a red flag law, but an incentive law for states. Is that something that they could say, hey, we agreed and we passed a bill? Uh, that that seems plausible to me if it's seen as kind of an indirect move. I mean, that's the bare minimum, right? I well, the bare minimum is nothing. Well, I guess we're used uh, to that. They they this would be a step. Joe Biden, um, you know, has been willing to support compromises in the past with folks he disagreed with. Mm-hmm. So I think you'd get the White House to go along with it. You know, you could a little bit of leadership from there would be helpful. It's not impossible. How much time do you give them, Jeannie? You, know, t- you talk about optimism, skepticism. The fact of the matter is there's no time. Uh, you started with the timeline here, but there's even less, actually, because Chuck Schumer said, if you guys come back, you don't have anything figured out. We're moving ahead without you. The House is marking up a bill this week, as you know. Uh, the train's about to leave the station. It is. You know, I, I give them about a week, maybe two when they come back, and then Democrats are going to have to push for that vote, which would be, you know, just a vote to get people on the record. And while everyone else in the world was going out this weekend and watching Top Gun, which I've still not seen, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say, I was home watching the Sunday shows. And let me just tell you, not one Republican from the Senate was willing to go out, and not just because it was Memorial Day, yeah. but to talk on the Sunday shows nope. about this. They couldn't book anybody. Not even Cornyn. Not even Cornyn. Dan Crenshaw did 
did go out and what did he say? He opposes red flag laws. He opposes raising the age to 21. He opposes closing the gun show loophole. He was the one who was brave enough to go out there and he opposed most of what he was being asked about. Mm -hmm. Adam Kinsinger, who Jack even mentioned, said he doesn't assault, he doesn't support an all out ban on assault weapons. So that's where Republicans are. And look at the ads going out for this primary season from Republicans. Many of them show people with holsters, guns, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, this is where we are. It's a campaign season. Really hard to imagine we get any kind of comprehensive bill out of the Congress at the federal level. Yeah. And of course, we just saw, you know, this this very strong victory for Governor Kemp in uh, Georgia in the primary. We played the ad for you as he sat there with the kid pretending to be, I guess, an actor as his his daughter's boyfriend. He's got the shotgun and all the pistols lined up on the on, on the, the table there, Lester, this does get people elected. Would would this jeopardize, you, you went there just for a second, would this jeopardize Republicans' chances of taking the majority if there was, in fact, a meaningful deal on guns? Yeah, if it's, if it's something really big and... Um, Republican voters would stay home in that case? Yeah, and remember, this this is an off-year election, so you're you're talking to highly motivated voters you're not you know the turnout is not going to be in all likelihood what it would be in a presidential year so you're talking to the most motivated voters for republicans that's going to be people who are very much in favor of gun rights Mm -hmm. uh for democrats you know the opposite so they're like it's this is a this is going to be a super partisan uh issue it can't help but be that uh so so i think uh, I think Jeannie's right. Um, it's this, this is going to be very, very difficult. You know, I started, I came into this conversation trying to be optimistic. You guys are really bringing me down here. Did you see Top Gun, Lester? I did. It is terrific. I knew he was going to yes, say that. people so. should go. Here's the plot. Uh, they feel the need for speed, and then they go into the danger zone. Wow. It's <laughs> very yeah. well done. Thanks for spoiling that for me. So it was a remake is what you're Sorry. saying. Uh, we're gonna, uh, I ask you this because we're waiting for Jeannie. We're not allowed to talk about it until Jeannie sees this movie here. We're going to have to get to a celebrity screening or something, Jeannie. We'll, we'll oh, it, it let's let's have you interview Tom Cruise. Let me show up. I'll have watched it. Let's, That's right. Let's have them book that, and I'll be so excited. Well, he's a pretty big fan of this program, I understand. <laughs> oh, uh, who's not? Well, who that's is not right. Joe Matthew? A big, big subscriber to the podcast. <laughs> Uh, You mentioned Sheryl Sandberg, Jeannie, and while we have Jeannie and Lester here, I want to get to another story that no one is talking about. Not the Sheryl Sandberg story. My God, everyone is. Thanks to Bloomberg. You did hear about this. I'm just going to call it Facebook for the sake of being old. Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg, who became one of the most recognized figures in global business, is stepping down. 52 years old, stays on the board, but is going to go into uh, philanthropic work, as you know. I suppose anybody uh, with that level of success might consider doing. But you know who we're not talking about today? Let's fire the music, Sebastian. Crank that thing up. The color guard. This was a major presidential event today. The new Coast Guard chief, the first woman to lead a service branch of the United States military. Perfect job. Admiral Linda Fagan, sworn in today, as the new commandant of the U.S. Coast Guard. First female service chief in the U.S armed forces. She spoke after the president did. Here she is. I look forward to the journey ahead. I'm eternally optimistic about the future of the service. You are the world's best Coast Guard. I am honored and humbled to serve alongside you as we look to the future. Pretty cool. You can read all about it on the terminal. Bloomberg has a story. It's about time, said Joe Biden. 
Fagan has served on all seven continents over 36 years in the Coast Guard. I didn't even know you could do that in the Coast Guard. She began her career as the only woman crew member of an icebreaker called the Polar Star, eventually rising to serve as vice commandant of the Coast Guard. And now she runs the whole place. Pretty good story, Jeannie Shanzano. That's not going to get a lot of news today, but it should. It should. And what an icebreaker. She was doing it before and she's doing it now. I I love this story. I was just saying she graduated in 1985 from the Coast Guard Academy. That was the sixth class that they included women in. And look where she is now. It's quite an amazing story. I'm so happy you mentioned this. And congratulations to Sheryl Sandberg on an amazing career, which I'm sure will continue. She's young, but what a day for women. Not so much Amber Heard, but I won't go there. You know, I I was going to say at the top (laughs) that this is a Johnny Depp, Amber Heard free zone, but I'm sorry. Jeannie sorry, just Joe. blew it. No, that's okay. <laughs> Lester, um, what does this say about the American military? Uh, I think it's it's terrific news. Who, who doesn't think so? Uh, Coast Guard is very important to U.S. national security. The Arctic, increasingly an important issue because of global warming and a hostile Russia, is largely in the purview of the Coast Guard. To think the first uh, so female is, service is, chief in the U.S. Armed Services would not emerge until the year 2022, though. Isn't that something? Better late than never. Well, that's fair enough. Lester, thanks for being with us. Jeannie, you too. You can go to the movies now, Jeannie. For you to talk to Tom Cruise, and then I'm going to go. Okay, no, I'll see. Well, I'll see it. I'll order. see it today. <laughs> wow, geez, yeah. I'm sorry for all the pressure, but you know we got to talk about it with Rick when he gets back. I think that's tomorrow, by the way. Jeannie will be here. Rick Davis as well. Our panel on Sound On for tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew at World Headquarters in New York. And a big thanks to everybody for coming in, not just our panel, but of course, Jack Fitzpatrick and Nora Ben-Sahel with us to talk about the situation in Ukraine. The missiles are on the way. Stay with us for more on that meta story. And of course, all the rest of the news driving markets here. We'll check traffic for you on the way home as well. The fastest hour in politics. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you showed up late. This is Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.